I'm Andy Crouch, inviting you to download and listen to the new Beer Edge podcast, a source for news, information, and insight regarding the brewing industry and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. The show, co-hosted by John Hall and I, talks with key players on the front lines of the beer business to give you insights and advice on how to navigate these uncharted waters. The Beer Edge podcast is available on all major platforms, or you can visit us at beeredge.com slash podcasts. Thanks for your support. Welcome to This Week in Roush Beer, the world's most important, long-running, and most awarded show dedicated to smoked beer. If this episode of This Week in Roush Beer sounds a little different, it's because we're not at our normal smoky studio inside of Dovetail Brewing in Chicago. Coronavirus has us all spread out and bunkered down. Hagen and Bill are off this week, rooting through their beer cellars, no doubt looking for some ruby-hued, ashy delights. But that's not going to stop us from having a bang-up of a show. Bart Watson of the Brewers Association will be joining us to talk about the smoked beer stats we all look forward to each week. A new writer, by the name of Lou Bryson, will tell us about his books regarding whiskey, and how there are even some kinds that incorporate smoked flavor into their recipes. Who knew, right? And longtime favorite guest of the show and author of the worldwide best-selling book, Smoked Beers, Ray Daniels, will get on the phone with us for a reminder on the history and importance of Roush Beer. But first, because so many people have been asking us to have him on as a guest to give his take on smoked beers, we decided a pandemic was the right time to do it. For this week's Why I Love Roush Beer segment, we invited noted beer villain and Twitter enthusiast Andrew Crouch Esquire to record a radio essay. Here he is, in his own words. There are a few moments in any beer lover's life that remain more cherished than all the rest. I've been fortunate to enjoy many incredible beer moments during my life. I've walked the ethereal gardens of Orval in Belgium, covered in lightly falling snow at dusk, with the majestic glass of the liquid in my hand. Two hours by car to the north, I've watched steam rise from recently spent grain in the devilishly ancient mash tun at Cantillon. And in Germany, I've descended the dozens of stairs into the cool rock cellars at Schlenkerwa, smelling the smoke that permeates every inch of the hallowed space. It is here that the famous smoked beer slumbers in a space dating back to the 14th century. With a glass of the famous smoked beer, you can taste the history of the place and can understand why Rausch beer has gone on to become the world's best-selling beer. And the reason why we've done so many seasons of the This Week in Rausch beer podcast Travel is the best way to get to know a local beer culture and its inhabitants. I've traveled widely through many corners of the globe, meeting brewers, writers, and beer fans in dozens of countries. I've talked with brewers in Cambodia and Japan and Vietnam, throughout Europe, and across the United States. Sharing a passion for a common hobby, the love of flavorful beer is also the easiest way I know to bridge cultural divides and make new friends. And while our travel may be a bit delayed right now, we can still move throughout the globe, one glass at a time, through the world of beer. So call up your local beer store, order some smoked beer, fire up your YouTube, and watch some Schlenkero videos. Smoked beer in the U.S. has come a long way since its early days, when a small, tight-knit group produced only a small number of them. I interviewed Jeff Larson, founder of the Alaskan Brewing Company and creator of one of the country's most famous smoked beers a number of years ago. And he relayed a story about fellow smoked beer producer, the late great Greg Noonan of the Vermont Pub and Brewery in Burlington, Vermont. He said, when Greg was making his Vermont smoked porter with only hickory smoked malt, people would ask him, why does this beer taste like ham? 
He was a little disturbed that people thought he had somehow gotten ham into his beer. So he started using maple. And the people started asking, why does this taste like sausage? It's flavor association. So one thing people should be aware of when they use smoke is that people do have a really good flavor memory. That will come across in the beer. If there is a specific type of wood indigenous to your area used in barbecues, people will recognize it and will make that leap. Local isn't everything. Despite its hype as the ultimate goal of all things craft, local offers only a small window into the world of great beer. Fresh local beer is amazing, as is having terrific breweries close to home that you can frequently visit. But there is a much wider world of beer and beer experiences out there to enjoy. And travel is the best way to get to know a local beer culture and its inhabitants. I want to thank John for finally inviting me to be on this prestigious podcast. I wept with pride the day that Roush beer finally overtook IPA as the most popular beer style in the United States. I mean, man, do you remember IPAs? Whatever happened to those things? Anyways, may your glass always be peaty and your palate always taste like an old cigar. Cheers. All right, joining us now, as he does every week on the show, is Bart Watson, the chief economist for the Brewers Association. He's joining us on the phone like everybody is this week. Uh, he is in his quarantine bunker in Colorado. Bart, how are you? I'm uh, doing as well as uh, can be expected, you know, here, here quarantine with some uh, delicious smoked beers. Well, so... Every week, we sort of get the week-by-week numbers from you. You know, you, get, you give us the, uh, the immediate news. And since we're all sort of hunkered down, I thought it would be helpful to sort of pull back a little bit and just remind people of how big uh, this segment is and how important this segment is and how uh, impactful it is to all of the drinkers. And so uh, you've actually pulled uh, a lot of the data that we usually just do weekly, um, and you have it for a, a larger period of time this week. Yeah, so so this week I pulled a, a rolling 52-week period um, from IRI group data, as always, uh, total U.S., multi-outlet plus convenience, um, and looked at all the beers that, you know, include the word smoke or roush in them. Um, and we saw that, you know, we, we've seen growth over the last year, as, as you've been expecting given these weekly updates. Um, but, but those beers are up 5.4% uh, year over year, so once again growing faster than the total craft category. Um, and they're now up to over a 52 week period, uh, 0.0117% of the beer industry. The revolution um, in the is US. real. Wow. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and remember the U S beer industry is the biggest and most profitable. So, you know, we're actually talking about, you know, uh, the size of a, a regional craft brewery, a lot of dollars being spent on this. And, uh, you know, that's pretty big growth from 0.0114% the year before. And as we've been doing this, uh, you've also been tracking how people are searching for it, right? And how uh, the word is really getting out there? Yeah, well, you know, smoked beer is still something that a lot of consumers are discovering. Um, you know, a lot already know, and, you know, that's their go-to every week. But, um, you know, we've been watching the Google Trends data, too, which is another good place to kind of look at, you know, what are people searching for? What's the pulse of the beer industry? Um, and so far in 2020, um, we're seeing those searches go up. So if we get an index of, of Google searches going back to 2004 when, um, you know, smoke beer searches were only 32, um, in 2020, they're up to, to 44.6. That's an increase from, from 44 last year in 2019. Um, so you can see that smoke beer is something that, that people continue to search for, that they're continuing to discover. And I think that's really the, the entry side of those, those growth stats and scan that we just saw. On a more practical drinking level, right? We're, we're always looking to have the best experience when it comes to 
the Roush beers and the smoke beers that that we're drinking. Uh, and one great way of checking into that is who enters into the Great American Beer Festival every year. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past when we do our GABF recap mm-hmm. specifically focused. Yeah, on the live the show from the winners. floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but, you know, we we saw in, in from 2018 to 2019, it went from 50 entries to 60 entries. Um, you know, it's a more popular category than than many, which I think the consumer would be, you know, uh, maybe more familiar with. But, you know, it shows the popularity amongst brewers, how passionate brewers are about this. Um, and I think, you know, that's always a good place. You know, we we hear from brewers a lot. You know, I drink or I make what I want to drink. Um, and if GABF entries are any indicator, then I think they're going to be making a lot more of these and, and hopefully the consumer is going to keep discovering them. Bart, you're, you're a numbers guy and, and, and a factual guy uh, when, it, when it comes to crunching the data. But I'm personally, how, have you feel, how do you feel when you see uh, this unprecedented growth, this exciting growth, this electric growth in the well, Roush think- segment? Yeah, well, I think for me personally, it's exciting. And, you know, I mean, it meshes with, I think, broader food and beverage trends. You know, we've seen growth in, in things like barbecue, you know, interest in, in home smoking. Um, and I think, you know, Roush beer just, just fits into that, you know, as it does into to my lifestyle. You know, I'm, I'm more interested in, in smoked foods in general. And um, so it makes sense that, that people would be getting more passionate about, you know, beers that have that smoked malt in them. You bring up a great point. Uh, next week is obviously our annual uh, barbecue episode where we're going to have uh, uh, pit masters on from across the country talking about uh, their smoke and their love of Roush beer. So that's a, that was a really great uh, reminder for everybody to tune in next week for that show. Bart, anything else uh, that's standing out for you right now? No, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, we're, ju- we're just seeing a lot of passion, a lot of innovation and, and more interesting Roush beers than ever. So, as you know, I say every week, I think there's never been a better time to be a Roush beer lover in the United States. And, Am- and I'll talk to you next week. Amen to that. Bart, thanks so much for checking in as always. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dial you back up next week. Thanks. So we've been looking at our podcast numbers and certainly over the 37 years that we've been on the air, the numbers have steadily grown. But really in the last three weeks since the pandemic started and more people are staying at home and more people are looking for comfort, we've seen our numbers rise to just historic levels. I mean, we are in triple digits now for people listening to this week in Roush Beer, which is which is just so very exciting for us. And so we thought that we'd take the opportunity to bring back one of our favorite guests. Uh, regular listeners know him well. Uh, they know the book that he co-authored with Jeff Larson called Smoked Beers, which is definitely our Bible here on this podcast. And I'm just so excited to welcome back Mr. Ray Daniels, who's talking to us from his basement quarantine bunker in Chicago. Ray, how are you? Howdy, howdy. I am I am just great. I'm just great. Uh, smoke them if you got them, you know. Smoke them uh, if you got them. That's 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 the way we work down here. Do you have a uh, do you have a specific Roush beer or smoked beer that you are enjoying these days? Oh uh, yeah, you know i I still like the classics. Go back to the original. Uh, you know the the folks from from Bomberg, uh, where everything started. They they still make uh, some of my favorites, and uh, the Schlenkerla beers, of course, we can get here in the United States. Uh, most of the others from uh, the, the the Bomberg area, we we have to visit there to to get them and and drink them uh, in place. But uh, uh, despite the the popularity, they're still not still not exported to the United States. I think because they drink so much there in, in Bomberg. But yeah, uh, Schlingela, you know the Hellas uh, in the summertime is fantastic, and, and this time of year the Meritzen, uh 
just really is is quite fine. So that's that's where I, I tend to go. So your book, Smoked Beers: History, Brewing Techniques, Recipes, uh, came yeah, out in yeah. uh, February of two thousand one, and uh, has really just been uh, one of the all time great sellers in the beer book category and has uh, inspired uh, countless, countless brewers to pick up a mash paddle and dedicate their lives to uh, great smoked beers. But for the for the new listeners to the podcast, I wonder if you can sort of give us a refresher on just what Roush beers are and how they're made and why they are so important. Uh, yeah, well, so so back to the basics, huh? Um, yeah, well, well uh, Roush is uh, the German word for smoke. Uh, of course, and uh, so um, uh, Rausch beer means smoked beer. Uh, we don't actually smoke the beer, of course. Uh, we smoke the malt, and we make uh, make beer from uh, the malt which has been been smoked. Uh, and those of you who are sitting there uh, imagining uh, uh, malt stuffed inside this giant spliff and and lighting that on fire? No, no, no. That's that's not the way we smoke the malt. No, uh, no, no. That's, that's not, a that's, that's a whole that's a it. that's a completely different show. Yes, no, different show. Uh, that's yeah, that's legal in, in Illinois now, so we could do a show on that as well if you want. Um, different kind of smoking, uh, but the to smoke the malt. Uh, they actually, um, uh, during the malting process, we soak the smoke, uh, sorry, soak the malt, in, uh, the, the grain, the raw barley in water. Once it germinates, then it has to be uh, dried, and it is typically dried uh, over heat, obviously. Um, the, the, the old style of making malt was to use uh, simply dry air. Uh, it was actually a very sophisticated process they had to go through to get this dry air to smoke malt. Uh, but now that smoke uh, beer is so popular around the world, we've gone back uh, to the method of direct heating, where we simply put the malt on a screen and we build a fire underneath the malt. And we allow both the heat and the smoke from the fire to rise up through the malt, uh, thus drying it, but also imparting the smoky flavor to the malt. This, then, is the wonderful ingredient with which we make smoked beers. And Ray, you have another book that's called Designing Great Beers. Yeah. That's been out for, for, for several years now as well. After you've smoked the malt and that you have uh, uh, the right proportions, what else goes into designing a great Roush beer? Well... You know, I think first is to decide uh, what variety of uh, smoked beer you want to make. Um, you know, since uh, the the rediscovery of uh, smoked beer, um, people from uh, all over the world have, have uh, put smoked malt into their beers uh, to add some, some smoked flavor uh, to their beers. And so we have uh, the classics, which are the, the Meritzen, uh, the Bach beer, uh, the Dunkel, uh, Weizen even, and uh, Helles, uh, the classic German styles, because, of course, uh, smoked beer started in, in Germany, uh, and Porter, which was a, a, a recreation of the original Porter made with smoked malt. Uh, but since then, people have put uh, smoked malt in every kind of beer, uh, even in uh, Kolsch and Alt and uh uh, British Bitter and American IPA 
there are smoked malt uh, beers, uh, smoked beers being made in, in every single style possible. Um, so when you're uh, designing a great beer uh, uh, with smoke, uh, first you have to decide what style or what sort of beer uh, you want to make. And then uh, you go uh, and study the formulation of that style of beer. And then it's just a matter of determining how much uh, smoke flavor you want in the beer. And you substitute some of the, uh, the base malt from the regular recipe for that style. Uh, you take out some unsmoked uh, pale malt or pilsner malt, and you add in an equal amount of smoked uh, malt and just make a substitution and that will bring the smoke flavor into the beer and uh, that's pretty much uh, how it's done uh, one of the big questions is how much uh, smoke flavor you want yeah. and how much smoke malt to add are there hops because kids love the hops these days are, th are there hop yeah. varietals that that play better in smoked beers than others well, you know, all the hops, uh, they're, they're, they're good with, with smoke uh, because smoke is such a wonderful thing and everyone's making uh, the smoked beers uh, these days. Um, uh, you know, again, the classics, they're favored. Uh, the, the German uh, type hops, the Hollertal, the Saz, the, the Perlet, um, um, things like that, the Hersberger, uh, maybe a little uh, Northern Brewer. Uh, for some spice, but um, but uh, yeah, the American hops. Uh, if you uh, don't uh, get too overwhelming with them, uh, they can work well. Um, I think the main thing uh, again is uh, balance uh, between the smoke flavor and the other flavors. So, for instance, uh, with a mold balanced beer like uh, a Meritzen or a Bach beer. We can make uh, with 100% smoked malt, or nearly 100%, maybe 95, uh, and it gives a, a, a really full uh, smoke flavor. It's uh, all quite uh, almost uh, overwhelming uh, the first time you drink it, uh, but you get used to it very quickly, and it's it's quite wonderful. Uh, with uh, if you are taking uh, American IPA with a very strong, uh, assertive um, uh, hop flavors, um, uh, the very fruity, uh, mango, uh, the citrus, uh, the big uh, American hop flavors in it, yeah, then maybe you don't want uh, the, the really strong smoke flavor, that those two might, might fight with each other uh, in the beer. So for the smoked IPA, I'd recommend a smaller uh, smoke character, uh, more subtle uh, smoke flavor in that. It's still a smoked beer, of course, because smoked beers are so popular these days and everyone uh, loves them. Uh, so People are the, lining up smoke, on Saturday mornings oh, for can releases, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You say, you say smoked beer and immediately have a crowd outside the brewery of people clamoring uh, to get in. And if you put a uh, smoked beer and the IPA together, because the IPA is also kind of a little bit uh, a popular style, um, uh, not as popular as smoked beer, of course, but, but a little bit uh, that way. So if you put together some smoke and uh, the IPA flavors, man, that's going to just be a, a big success for your brewery. 
So, right, we know uh, your book, Smoked Beers, came out in 2001. Ha- have you been doing anything since then? What are you up to these days? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I got a little bored uh, after a while because, all, you know, now everyone is making smoked beers and I didn't have anything else to do. Uh, so I, I started in, in 2008 to work with uh, the, uh, the beer quality uh, to try and improve uh, draft quality and, and beer service and things like that. I started, started a little thing called uh, Cicerone uh, program. That, so- that uh, sounds Italian. Yeah, well, it's a, you know Italian word, but we we use the English pronunciation Cicerone. So otherwise, it would be Cicerone, uh, but we say the, the the American way, the Cicerone uh, program. So yeah, I've been working on that. It, it keeps me off the street. Has, has, has it caught on, or are, are people uh, yeah, are people following yeah, it's, you? It's, 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 yeah, it's doing okay. It's doing okay. Where can people learn more about that? Uh, we have a little website. Uh, it's called uh, Cicerone.org. Uh, so Cicerone, by the way, is C-I-C-E-R-O-N-E. It's an um, uh, old uh, uh, Roman uh, uh, fellow, uh, Cicero. It's all named after Marcus Aurelius Cicero. Uh, so Cicerone, uh, that's what it's called, Cicerone.org. And I was just looking up on uh, the the large Amazon website. There are only fourteen copies left of smoked beer available right now. So, uh, and they might be the last fourteen in in existence. Uh, so people should definitely go and, and act now. Go to Amazon, and you can get the uh, smoked beers that our good friend Ray yeah. Daniels wrote with Jeff Larson of Alaskan I'm, Brewing I'm Company, the makers sure of the famed smoked porter. Indeed, I'm sure. I'm sure my publisher's all over that, and there will be more soon. So please buy and and don't worry. There'll be more for other people. Too. And and Ray Daniels, uh, from Texas, but somehow by way of Sweden and Milwaukee and maybe Lithuania, uh, from the sound of it today. Ray, thanks so much for for dialing into the show. As always, it's a, it's a pleasure talking smoked beers with you. It's been great, John. <laughs> Happy, happy April 1st. <laughs> and to you. <laughs> and now it's time to turn our attention to education. After doing the show for so long now, you'd be surprised at the amount of information that comes my way that I still was not aware of. And our production team came across an author by the name of Lou Bryson uh, who writes about whiskey of all things. He has two books. One is called Tasting Whiskey, an insider's guide to the unique pleasures of the world's finest spirits. And his new book is called Whiskey Masterclass, the ultimate guide to understanding scotch, bourbon, rye, and more. And in looking through his materials that his uh, uh, publicist sent over to us, we realized that he talks about smoke in whiskey. And we were surprised at that because we had never heard of such a thing before. So we called up this young man and we asked him uh, to tell us a little bit about smoke and whiskey. And he joins us on the phone. Uh, Mr. Bryson, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm actually smoking right now. Well, I, I, as you should. As you should. Yeah. But, so we know about smoke in beer, and we know that it's its importance. Uh, we we know of our love of it. Smoke in whiskey must be must be a new thing. It must be following uh, beer's path. Correct. Uh, it, it's actually exactly in in oh, parallel or tandem. 
parallel or two. I, I guess parallel uh, path uh, with beer. Um, no, tandem. Tandem. Definitely tandem. Fascinating. Uh, um, yeah, because uh, here's the thing that most people don't realize. Whiskey is made from beer. No. Yeah, it, it is. It is merely, well, it, it's a process called distillation. Um, you, you've probably heard of stills, which are, nope. I mean, in, that, this is how whiskey is made. You put beer in a still, and a still is a, a big uh, thing, almost always made of copper, um, and you heat it, and you see alcohol and water have different boiling points. So as you as you go up the, the temperature with the beer, the alcohol boils off first, and so it's it's concentrated. It's kind of like a... Uh, like a an ice box in reverse. If, if that means anything. Oh, sure, that, of course, ice box, sure. smoked ice box, especially. Smoked ice box are are the best kind. Um, and so you're you're pulling the alcohol off rather than freezing out the water. It's kind of like ice box in reverse. I understand that. So where does smoke come into into whiskey into the world of whiskey? Where where can we find it? Um, well, uh, increasingly in, in America, but, but generally when people think of, of smoke in whiskey, they think of scotch, uh, from, from Scotland. Uh, the, um, the, like smoked the, wee heavies. From, yes. Uh, kind of. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really the, the scotch from Scotland is, is the best scotch. Um, and that's where they put the smoke in it. Um, and, uh, and how, and, it, and how do they get it into the whiskey? Well, again, it's um, it's really just distilled beer, so it's getting in the same way that it, it gets into the beer. They they smoke the smoke the grain. Fascinating, fascinating. But I, as I understand, um, most uh, smoked beers are um, the the grain is smoked with wood. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in Scotch, usually the grain is is smoked with peat. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with peat. Well, why don't you um, tell us a little bit more about that? And why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what we should be looking for? Is um, you know, if we have a nice glass of scotch, uh, well, uh, smoke flavor um, would be would be the thing you're looking for. Um, a scotch that uses um, peat to smoke its malt uh, and then make beer and then distill it. That's uh, that's really what you're looking for. Um, some of these are, a lot of them are made on an island. Off of Scotland, there that's um, well known for these smoky whiskeys. It's an island called Isla, I S L A Y, um, and some of the uh, more noted ones: uh, Ardbeg, Lagavulin, uh, Lafroy. Kind of odd-sounding names to us, but um, it's all Scotch Gaelic. So it's even more odd when you look at them because they don't sound like they uh, like they look. Um, that's an interesting thing about smoked whiskey. Are there specific notes that you look for? Or that some of these uh, some of these Scotch whiskeys uh, put out that may be different from wood smokes. Like, like what does peat smoke? Well, the peat smoke definitely uh, brings a different character to the table than uh, wood smoke. Um, in what way? In in peat, you're you're usually getting more. Um, to be honest, almost industrial notes. Sometimes uh, people will talk about uh, diesel or tires or. Um, Smoked fish, um, particularly, they'll talk about like uh, tar or rope or fishnets, uh, not the stockings, the actual nets for catching fish. Hmm. Um, and but at the same time, 
we're actually finding out more and more about this now uh, as we do research on peat, um, finding out that some of the um, what people refer to as briny notes in Scotch whiskey are actually coming from the peat and not from aging by the seaside, as we used to think. Hmm. Um, the, the interesting thing that, that I found is that, you know, you think about, well, peat is just, um, I mean, it's essentially bog mud that's been dried and then, and then uh, burned to smoke the, the, uh, the malt. But there are 20, at least 20, actually more than 20, uh, different um, types of peat just in Scotland. Um, I mean, identifiable by by aroma as as it's burnt because of the different plants that create the uh, the mud. Interesting. So you, you'll get you'll get peats, for instance, in the uh, in some of the uh, higher elevations, you'll get peats that have more um, bushy material to it, more trees. Whereas in the lower uh, elevations, particularly on the coast, you'll get more uh, flowery. I mean, classically heather. Um, creates a lot of it in, in Scotland. There's just heather everywhere. Um, and even uh, on some of the uh, coastal swamps, you'll even get seaweed hmm. um, all going in and, and creating more aromas and uh, such as as it's burned and, and smokes the peat, or smokes the malt, excuse me. There's also been a trend uh, that I was reading about um, uh, before this interview on smoked cocktails these days as well, of people actually lighting wood on fire and trying to put it into glasses before they're putting it into, before they're pouring in whiskey? Have you come across yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they even have what they call a smoke gun. So you can uh, um, have the wood or peat or whatever uh, burning in a separate chamber and, and concentrate the smoke right into a, uh, uh, a glass or um, other container. D- does that um, actually deliver on its promise? It does. It does. Um, you leave the smoke in there, and it um, the alcohol will will soak that right up. Um, the it works better on some cocktails than others. Um, a cocktail with a lot of ice in it doesn't doesn't soak as much up, just because uh, cold tends to slow down chemical reactions. Um, but uh, I mean, for instance, a, a cream based cocktail will really soak it right up. So if you like. Um, Oh, for instance, like a, a white Russian or a um, uh, like a herring and aquavit uh, cocktail. Uh, if you use the cream herring, that'll really soak up a lot of uh, a lot of smoke flavor. Is is that a real thing? No, it's not a real thing. Okay. I'm just having you on. <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, I I know we're having fun on this show today, but I was like, you just wanted to see if I was paying attention or if people were actually I did, listening I did. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Check your calendar, folks. Uh, Lou, so you have this new book out. It's called Whiskey Masterclass, The Ultimate Guide to Understanding Scotch, Bourbon, Rye, and More. Uh, we know the physical bookstores are closed right now, but indie bookstores are still selling online. It's uh, being sold on Amazon. Uh, you can get it on Kindle. Uh, why should everybody have this book on their shelves or on their electronic device? The, the, you know, aside from the fact that you're a great guy who knows the subject matter. and. <laughs> Thank you. You need the, um, you know, you uh, need the buck eighty-five you get from the royalties. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That that munificent uh, benefit from from publishing a book. Um, I, I, it's um, it's the kind of book that you can speak intelligently about whiskey after you've after you've read it, and and even more to the point than impressing your friends 
you can finally figure out where the flavors in your whiskey are coming from. And that's always good because then you can find other whiskeys that you like. Um, once you, once you realize what's creating those flavors and that's what the book is all about. The book essentially looks at the, um, whiskey making process from grain selection all the way through to bottling and beyond. Um, and, looks at every single step where flavor and aroma are either created, added, or taken away. And as you put those steps together and look at the whiskeys that you like, then you can look at find other whiskeys that are made in similar fashions and think, well, maybe I'll try that one. Um, which is, I mean, because all these books, as far as I'm concerned, the, the beer books, whiskey books, whatever, are about increasing your enjoyment of the, of the drink. And that's that's what I aimed at. To pull it back to smoke, and I, I, I hate to put you on the spot here. Um, if somebody was curious, and I mean this as a serious question, if somebody was was curious uh, about getting into a smoked whiskey for the first time, sure, you obviously don't want to go to something that's uber extreme first, right? Like you want to, in, in the same way that beer drinkers, no, which, you know, start I mean, on a certain level. People always do that. Sorry, people yeah. always do that with beer. It drives me crazy. You know, they were like, oh, you ought to try a really big IPA. That are delicious. Right. Maybe start off with something a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, so where do you start? The whiskey Highland Park. Uh, Highland Park is a uh, distillery in the, uh, in the Orkney Islands off the north coast of Scotland. And they use um, a blend of peated and unpeated malt in their whiskeys. So it's, um, well, Michael Jackson, for instance, like me, was a beer and whiskey writer. Mm -hmm. um, and Jackson used to refer to Highland Park as the great all-rounder because it had a little bit of something for everybody. It's sherry cask aged, so it's got that nice fruity character to it. But it's also partially peat smoke, so it's got some depth to it and, and a little bit of smoke. And I think it's a great way to, to, uh, to kind of dip your toes in. Awesome. Well, that's where we'll start. And we'll put that creamed herring and aquavit recipe up on our website. And uh, Bryson, thanks for, for being on the show uh, on This Week in Rauschbier. His new book, Whiskey Masterclass, The Ultimate Guide to Understanding Scotch, Bourbon, Rye, and More, is available where books are sold. Get your copy today. Thanks, young man. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and that, my friends in Rausch, is the end of our show for this week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, for your telegrams of support, and your willingness to indulge on this first day of April 2020. I'm John Hall. For now, stay safe, look out for each other, and smoke them if you got them. Good night. Drink Beer, Think Beer is sponsored by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. John Hall and I have been covering the beer industry for close to 20 years. We're passionate about beer and love telling the stories of the great folks behind your favorite brands. These days, we need independent media more than ever. A subscription to Beer Edge helps you support this podcast and keeps our information and resources coming. A subscription is available for $25 a month, and you can subscribe at beeredge.com newsletter. Thanks for your support.